Hello and welcome to Never Waste a Good Hysterectomy, where we discuss all things related to hysterectomies. My name is Melanie Favort and I'm the author of Never Waste a Good Hysterectomy. In this episode, we talk about the recovery period, what to expect, what can be regarded as normal and when to call your doctor. But before we go on, please may I remind you that this podcast is intended for information purposes only and must, of course, never replace medical intervention. If you are worried or something doesn't feel quite right, please contact your medical provider immediately. So the time after the operation can be very scary and confusing. Basic bodily functions can be challenging and it can be very difficult to know what is normal and what is not. To get some clarity on these issues, I asked Dr. Kate Chambers, a specialized gynecologist who spoke to us before, to answer some of the most commonly asked questions. Great to have you back with us again, Dr. Kate. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. There are a lot of fairly common symptoms which women struggle with, um, some which we've discussed in a previous episode. Let's run through them one by one. Let's start with the oh dreaded constipation, <laughs> which just about everybody struggles with. What to do about it and how long does it last? And the big fear, of course, can the straining tear any of the stitches? Sure, no problem. So yeah, like you say, it is the most common complication or common symptom that we get post-surgery. And it's caused by a few things. Like I mentioned in a previous episode, constipation is caused by your bowel not moving. So your bowel has a regular movement called peristalsis, which it needs in order to keep the fluid and the material and everything moving through the gut. When you have surgery, when the bowel is touched, when it's got blood near it, or in a surgery when it's moved out of the way, it doesn't like that. So it stops moving as well as it used to. So that contributes to the lack of movement through the gut, together with the fact that you are in bed for 24 hours, you're not moving around as much, you are on medication and analgesia, which has opioids, which causes constipation in most patients. Together with the fact that you're also in hospital, you're eating a different diet, you're not drinking as much fluid, you're a little bit dehydrated because you've been starved for six hours prior to your surgery. So it's caused by a combination of things. And so the treatment or the way we prevent it is once again, multiple. So what we do is we make sure that we get you up and about mobilizing as soon as possible so that we can get that gut moving. We try and only give opioids for a shorter period of time versus the other analgesia that's not such a big culprit in causing constipation. What we also do is make sure that you are on some sort of stool softener or laxative while you are on post-surgical recovery and while you're on the analgesia to try and help get the gut moving and get the fluid and everything moving through. Normally when you are in hospital, we don't like to let you leave the hospital if you haven't passed stool, especially if you've had a vaginal um, hysterectomy. But on, on the most cases, if you're passing wind, we're happy because once you get back into your own environment, you're mobilizing, you're eating your same food, drinking fluids, then you're generally okay. Constipation, unfortunately, can last a long time because of the medication that you're on. And we're on an, um, analgesia for a while um, until we have recovered fully. And you could be on it for about, you know, two, three weeks. The concern about passing out and getting rid of your or rupturing your sutures or your stitches, it's a big concern because if you are massively constipated, we all know we've all been bloated and had a very swollen tummy after we've eaten something we shouldn't. It's not common 
to pass out with constipation. But there is a, a response called a vasovagal response where once you have stretching of certain nerves in the pelvis, once you've passed a stool eventually, you can have a little bit of a hypertensive episode where your blood pressure drops and you feel very dizzy and faint. But once again, that's quite rare. The stitches, I don't think that's something that you really need to be worried about unless you are dealing with a pathological circumstance, something called an ileus, where your bowel is not moving at all. And that's a, a more of a serious complication that your surgeon would deal with from the start as soon as they see it. Um, and that's the only real time that I would think that stitches would be at risk. So in general, it's not something to be too concerned about. So at which point do you then call your doctor and say, I haven't been able to go yet? I think it's important to know what your bowel movements were like before. Um, you know, And if you are normally only going to the toilet every two, three days, then that's normal. If you haven't gone to the toilet for a week, then you should definitely call your surgeon, and especially if you're not passing wind. So if you're passing wind, then we know the gut is working and that there's no risk of a leak or a bowel injury then you should call your surgeon. And the other instances when you've got constipation with vomiting. So if you are unable to eat because you vomit everything up, that's a serious complication and, and should be seen to pretty urgently. Okay, let's talk about bleeding. I know in the previous episode, you said that some bleeding is normal. Yes, yes. So, you know, some bleeding is normal. We've operated in the abdomen, you've cut tissue, all those sorts of things where they're blood vessels. Obviously, your surgeon's not going to finish the surgery unless they're happy that you're not actively bleeding. But tissues do take time, like any wound, they bleed a little bit and then they have to take time to clot and heal. So a little bit of bleeding, we normally say anything less than a period or up to a period is normal. And it's important to note that even though you are bleeding and you might think, okay, it's a period, can I use a tampon, all this stuff, we advise not using tampons, only pads. And it can last up to about, you know, several weeks, but shouldn't be heavy bleeding like a period for several weeks. It might be heavy for a week or so and then just spotting for, for the next couple of weeks. Also, of course, is the problems with your urinary functions, yes. bladder cramps, and just generally finding it very difficult to urinate or it feels different. Feels different, definitely. And that, that's because of the catheter. So whenever you have a procedure, we either, depending on the procedure we do, we generally leave a catheter in for about 12 to 24 hours, or at least what we would do is empty your bladder in theater. The catheter essentially is a tube that goes into your urethra. And whenever you put a tube into a urethra or a muscle that is used to contracting, it can spasm a little bit. So as soon as you take the catheter out, you've got to give the urethra some time to get back to its normal function. Generally, that happens pretty quickly, but you can have a little bit of bladder cramping, a little bit of cramping, trying to you know feel like you, you need to go to the loo, but you can't pass urine because that urethra is not functioning as well as it should. Also, the other risk is the burning sensation, itching, the just general discomfort. And that could be due to an infection, which is one of the things that you need to look out for is that if that sensation doesn't go away, or if you have persistent burning in the urine, any foul smelling urine, then you need to get checked out so that you can get some antibiotics. And that's because of the risk of introducing infection into the bladder when the catheter is inserted. When it comes to 
urgent cases, you know, when, you know, when should you phone your surgeon and when should you get checked out is if you haven't been able to urinate for more than six to eight hours. This is a, an emergency, what we call urinary retention. And that's when you've got full spasm of the urethra and that needs to be released. And often what happens is you just have to put the catheter back in, give the bladder some time to relax um, and recover. And then you, you settle down very quickly. Something that surprised me, and maybe it shouldn't have, and I know lots of women complain about this, is just how swollen your belly is beyond just the gas issue. It's, it's yes, and and some women talk about a belly binder. Can you maybe talk us through all of that? Sure. So um, the abdomen can be quite swollen because of all the inflammation, because of the trauma that it's been put through, and also. Unfortunately, you know, when we go into the abdomen, especially with abdominal surgeries, we have to open up the muscles a little bit. We never cut through the muscles, but we do open them up. So the strength of your muscles takes some time to get back to normal. And so because of that, you do feel very swollen and bloated and a little bit bigger than you would normally. A belly bind is a very good thing and it just helps to support the abdomen. It helps to keep the pressure in the abdomen so that you don't feel like everything's falling out or you're feeling very uncomfortable. However, you have to be a little bit cautious of your wounds, especially when you've got a either a up-down or a horizontal abdominal wound, you don't want to put too much pressure on that skin and that wound. You want it to be able to heal, not under too much tension and pressure. So I normally say if you've had a vaginal hysterectomy or a laparoscopic hysterectomy and your wounds are feeling fine, then you can use a belly binder from day three, four. But if you've had open surgery, then I would avoid it for at least two weeks. Some women, you've mentioned dizziness earlier on uh, post-anesthesia. Yes. But some women complain about dizziness for a long time and they even develop some vertigo. And some women have said to me that they've been told that that's because the surgeons tip the table slightly in theater. I don't know if that's true. And that's that the you know, the inner ear balance can go out a little bit. Can go out a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it it is very true. Um, The reason why we do it is because we need access into the lower pelvis. And if you're standing up or lying flat, the bowel fills the pelvis and just obscures your view of the uterus and the area that you're wanting to operate in. So what we do is we tilt the head down a little bit so that we hope that that bowel moves up towards the diaphragm and and just gets out of the surgical field. Obviously, you know, if you're in an upside down position for a very long time, you know that when you sit up, you're going to feel dizzy. And as you said, it's because of the inner ear and the crystals in the inner ear, which become a little bit dislodged and need to settle down a bit. But it's also due to the fact that you are in surgery, you starved, you dehydrated, you haven't eaten, your blood sugar levels are probably a little bit low, and you've been lying in one position for a long time. And it's not only just during the procedure, but it's afterwards when you're in bed with the catheter in. And so when you suddenly sit up, your blood pressure has to readjust to the different posture of your body. And that can take some time for your body to readjust to the different levels of your blood volume while you're getting fluid. The anesthesia wears out of after about two, three days, but the, the pain medication can also have certain effects of making you feel a little bit woozy and a little bit dizzy. So it's about just making sure that when you do stand up, you sit down for a little bit first before you suddenly stand up to your feet. Otherwise, you you might pass out, but it can take a while to, to settle down. Something which I thankfully did not experience is some women complain about a very strong and unpleasant smell that they suddenly yes. develop. Is that linked to hormone changes or what on earth is that? Um, yeah, it's quite a difficult question because it shouldn't be linked to hormones. When you do a hysterectomy in general, you're not removing the ovaries. So you're not affecting the hormonal balance. Obviously, if you're taking the ovaries out 
for a specific reason and you are perimenopausal and you haven't gone through full menopause and now all of a sudden you have none of the normal hormones, then your hormonal changes can affect your general smell of your vagina. When it comes to an offensive, you know, funny smell, then I would always be concerned about infection. You know, you do have stitches in the vagina, which can be seen essentially as a foreign body. And whenever you have a foreign body in the body, your body forms a reaction to it. And you can have a little bit of a discharge form, a little bit of an inflammatory process, which can change the smell. But in general, if you have a funny smell, I'd get checked out to make sure it's not an infection. Okay. And then lastly, of course, exhaustion, being super tired and shaky. How long, again, I know, I suppose this is how long is a piece of string, but (laughs) but that's a very common symptom, of course. No, it is. And And I think it's important to realize, as we said earlier, this is a major surgery. You know, it's not a simple procedure where you're up and about and are back to normal the next day. We've removed essentially an organ and it's a big process we always we tend to forget the anxiety and the stress before going in for surgery which you know leads to lack of sleep you know you're not getting as good sleep before you go into theater then you compound that with the pain that you're in you're not getting a great sleep when you're in pain you can't move around as much as you used to so the lack of sleep is very important but it is a major procedure and your body goes through a lot. So your body goes through, you know, it gets flooded with adrenaline when you're in theater, that then settles down and you get a withdrawal of adrenaline. You've got the anxiety of pain, the emotional side of the surgery, which all play a big part. Um, You've also got to look into the effects of anesthetic, effects of the analgesia that you're on, as well as blood loss. You know, it's very important to check what your iron levels are before you go into theater. If you're sitting a bit low and you go into theater, even if you don't bleed a lot, even a little bit of blood is a lot for the body to handle. And it takes time for your body to rebuild those hemoglobin cells and get your your strength and energy back. So there's quite a lot of emotional psychological aspects which play into that as well as the physiological lack of sleep pain and everything i wouldn't worry about it for the first you know week or two but if you are fully exhausted you know in week three four then it's probably a good idea just to check your iron levels and make sure that there's nothing else going on okay so the big question is always when should i seek help i mean that's one of the you know it's difficult because you get sent home uh, you're often signed off by the surgeons after anything from three weeks to six weeks and then of course things still happen and you're Mm. not 100 percent sure do i now find a doctor or don't i so maybe let's go through some of the most common ones sure bleeding when do i call is it when clots start falling out what when do i call so before i get into bleeding i just i think it's important to know that like we said before listen to your body if you feel like something's wrong phone a doctor whether it's your surgeon or your gp just make sure that you get checked out you don't want to be sitting at home and and this is the problem with women a lot is that we try and be too strong and we think oh no it'll be fine tomorrow we'll wake up better Mm -hmm. and we, we push it aside we push it aside we don't want to be a menace um and i think it's really important to rather there's nothing it doesn't cost anything to do a phone call and for your surgeon to say pop in let me see you or actually that all sounds totally normal don't worry about it so i think it's important to once again listen to your body and seek help whenever you think it's necessary bleeding specifically like we've said a heavyish period for a week 
week to 10 days is normal. Spotting can go up till six weeks. Generally, what you'll do is when you'll see your, your surgeon four to six weeks later, they will examine you. They'll look at your wounds. They'll do a, a speculum examination to look at the cuff of the vagina, make sure it's healed nicely, that there's no hematomas or bruising to see that you know everything has healed. And after that, if you have a little bit of bleeding, little spot or two is not too bad, but definitely if you're passing clots, you should see kelp because you don't have a uterus to bleed from anymore. So you shouldn't be passing a lot of blood. The big fear that women obviously have is, did my cuff tear? And that yes. would be quite significant amount of bleeding. It might be, yeah. And, you know, it's it would be significant by bleeding, but it would also be quite a lot of pain. So watching out for that sort of pain is is important. And infection is, is one of the biggest things with the cuff. It's unlikely that you're going to suddenly just rupture your cuff for no reason. It's more likely that there's going to be some sort of infection and one of the stitches is going to fall out and then you're going to have um, cuff disruption with bleeding. Whenever we have a lot of bleeding, it's always important just to check that cuff. Or, of course, if you've cut the lawn, right? That's why you don't cut the lawn. You don't mow the lawn at all. <laughs> any kind of fever, of course, I presume? Yes. Yeah. So any kind of fever, you've got to watch out and phone your surgeon. The things, obviously, that we look for infection-wise is in your wound and then in the vagina and then intra-abdominally. You know, if you have a massive intra-abdominal infection, you're going to know about it, but it's the more you know, benign things like a little bit of wound sepsis or urinary tract infection, a little bit of cuff sepsis that starts off as slight fever and you'd rather treat it early than, than leave it until it becomes too serious. I mean, there are some really serious stuff like, for, again, like you've said, deep vein thrombosis. Yes. That is usually, how would you know that you're getting that? So deep vein thrombosis can be tricky because sometimes you don't know you have it until you are, you know, very seriously ill in, in, in hospital. But the things to look out for would be any swollen calves. So especially one-sided calf swelling, pain behind the calf, especially when you're walking or if you touch your calf, and then shortness of breath. The big concern is that if you do have a deep vein thrombosis, that a little bit of that clot um, shoots off and goes into your lungs and causes what we call a pulmonary embolus, and that can be very dangerous. So if you have any chest pain, any shortness of breath, and any of your, you know, the calf pain, calf swelling, it's very important to get checked out. In terms of the wound, you've said, you know, we need to watch the fever. Is there anything else to keep an eye on? Yes, definitely. So the, the signs of infection on a wound are redness, warmth, swelling around the wound, and then um any discharge coming from the wound, so any pus coming from the wound. In the beginning, it's a little bit difficult sometimes because you've got a plaster on, sometimes you can't see through those plasters, but just assessing the smell, okay, and I know that sounds a bit weird, but if you feel like your wound smells funny, take the dressing off. You don't have to worry about going back to your surgeon. You can take the dressing off at home, wipe your wound with a little bit of warm water. And if the smell goes away, then you know it's just the you know old blood and fluid that's been caught up in that dressing. But if you take your dressing off and there's redness, there's swelling, it's warm to touch, or you have any pus coming out, then it's very important to get that checked out. The wound can also be quite itchy, right, for a long yes. time. And there's a bit of numbness around it as well, especially the yes. abdominal ones. Especially the abdominal ones. The itching is good. I mean, we all know that if something itching, you, you say it's healing. So that's that's a good thing. But whenever we do an abdominal incision, we are 
disrupting nerves and cutting nerves to the skin. So the numbness can last, unfortunately, quite a long time. I mean, I think about it, my Caesar wound is two years old now, and I still can't feel around my wound. Everybody's different. Some people get their feeling back pretty quickly. Otherwise, a little bit of numbness over the scar is completely normal, but you shouldn't have numbness up the abdomen, down the legs or anything like that. Sometimes stitches don't 100% dissolve. I mean, most of the stitches are dissolvable, right? But I certainly had experience with one little stitch that would not dissolve and kept on poking me from the inside. (laughs) That's okay though, right? That's totally fine. So, I mean, the, the majority of sutures that we use these days are dissolvable. Any internal sutures are all dissolvable. So we use different types of suture material depending on the tissue we use and how long we want it to stay in the abdomen before it dissolves. And what often people complain about is on the corners of their wounds, they can sometimes feel a little knot. And that little knot is where we've tied the suture together. And obviously, you've got now a little bit of a an excess amount of suture in that area and that can take a little bit longer to dissolve than where you would just have a little single stitch. But there are some surgeons, depending on the surgery, what they do, that close the skin with non-dissolvable sutures. Your surgeon would definitely tell you whether you needed to come back in 10 days' time to have those sutures removed. But the majority of patients go home with um, what we call subcutaneous sutures to the skin, which dissolve on their own. If you've got a a subcutaneous or an internal stitch that is exposed to the outside, which just sounds a bit strange, but if it's sticking out a little bit, then it does take longer to dissolve. Um, And what you can do is if it's irritating you, you just pop to your surgeon and they can just cut that little knot out. I know we can speak about these things for hours, but just lastly, uh, many women worry that they will never quite be the same again after hysterectomy. They'll never be able to pick heavy things up. They will never be able to go back to exercises, etc. Presuming there are no complications. That's not quite true, right? No, no. I mean, it's difficult to say how long it will take, but you will get back to normal. Your body recovers really well, especially if you are healthy, you start out the procedure healthy, fit, um, and there's no major complications, everything will heal. All the different layers of the abdomen will heal, your muscles will tighten up again, they will take some time, but you will start feeling normal. Once again, I think with women, there's a lot of the psychological aspects to healing post-surgery, especially with a hysterectomy and all the emotional aspects that come with it. Theoretically and physiologically, things should go back to normal. Dr. Kate, as always, a great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you also to Nicola Bruins for producing this podcast. And above all, thank you for listening. If you want to get in touch, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to email me at hysterectomypodcast at gmail.com. I'm Alani Pavurt, and until next time, please stay strong and stay brave. <laughs>